Hello. Hi. Welcome to Drinking the Kool-Aid. Welcome. I'm Megs. I'm Hannah. And today we have a very different episode for you. Okay. Um, Why is it very different? Well, this is going to be extremely disjointed. Okay. There is absolutely no theme. Oh. The Florida thing is a coincidence. Uh, okay. Uh, basically what happened is I initially started down the train of going, okay, I'm gonna, you know, look up criminals, you know, like, silly criminal stories. Okay. Okay. So that's where this started. And so you'll see that at the beginning. Then all of a sudden, I completely abandoned that. Okay. And I was like, uh, actually, I want something different. And we kind of end this episode with a woman birthing rabbits. Um. <laughs> so we go from, like, criminals. But not birthing cabbage. No. Or no, it was not cabbage. Uh, cauliflower. Cauliflower. There we go. Yeah. Okay, so not cauliflowers, but rabbits. Correct. Okay. Uh, so Wait, do they come out with little sweaters on, like in freaking no. Shirley Temple? Okay. They do not. Damn. I'm going to shut that right down. Damn. They do not. <laughs> I got really excited. Yeah, so I mean, this is just going to be a wild ride, so. I'm here for it. <laughs> All right. The first one. Okay, I really love when you do these ones. I'm so excited. Is called Snorting Ashes. Oh. Hey, all right. In Miami, Florida, burglars snorted the cremated remains of a man and two dogs. On purpose? No. Did they, like, think it was coke or something? Were they, like, some... Yes. Shut up. Yep. They thought Ah! that they had stolen drugs. Uh, The ashes were stolen from a woman's home in the central Florida town of Silver Springs Shores on December 15th. The thieves took an urn. They were in an urn. Oh, God. So the urn containing the ashes of the woman's father, and then there was another container with the ashes of her two Great Danes. Okay, they didn't, like, snort them all, though, did they? No, they did not. Okay, so she still had some ashes left? Uh, well, I suppose they took them all, though. Yeah, they took them. Damn, they that just does didn't snort them all. It sucks for her. Like, that's really sad for it's her. It's awful. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also took some electronics and jewelry. Now, investigators arrested five teens in connection with another burglary. The sheriff's report said, quote, the suspects mistook the ashes for either cocaine or heroin. It was soon discovered that the suspects snorted some of the ashes, believing they were snorting cocaine. (laughs) They were like, wow, what an odd storage container. Right. (laughs) Who keeps their cocaine in a little urn? Oh, my God. Uh, Once the teens realized that they had snorted ashes, they threw the rest in the lake. Rough. See, that's rude. Yes. They thought that their fingerprints were obviously on the containers, so they had to get rid of it. The Wait, suspects... I, I thought you were going to say they thought their fingerprints were in the ashes. I was Whoa. like... Whoa. Uh-huh, what? <laughs> I <Okay>. mean... <laughs> okay, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> the suspects were jailed on numerous burglary and other charges, and the police divers attempted... To recover the ashes. Okay, that's actually really cool. So at least they did try. 
Um, I actually have no idea if they ever found the ashes. I'm going to assume they did not, but... Well, I hope they did. I looked at this one article, and I didn't look at it past that. Cool. So there you go. Uh, This next one is a teeny tiny little snippet that I call Heidi Hole. No! We're bringing the Heidi Holes back! I'm bringing it back, but it's for a very different reason. Okay, fine, because you know I fucking hate the Heidi Holes. And I named it that just for you, actually. (laughs) They're so gross I looked at this article and I was like, Heidi Hole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In Sarasota, Florida, jail deputies found something very troubling in a man's booty hole. Oh, yeah, I mean, that is a hidey hole. Yeah, or a TBH, you know. Uh, 33-year-old Neil Lansing was charged with drug possession and smuggling contraband in jail. He had 30 items tucked inside his anus. Whoa! <laughs> that's a big TBH. Yeah, that's, yes. Th- there's a lot in there. Uh, inside were 17 blue pills. A cigarette. (laughs) Okay. Six matches, which I don't know why six. How many times did he think you needed to light the cigarette? Uh, A flint. Holy crap. A syringe. Okay. Lip balm. Mm. An unused condom. He didn't even, like, put the stuff in it. (laughs) He just shoved a whole condom in there with it all. Correct. That's not what you're supposed to. Okay. You know what? And a CVS receipt. In case he has to return some of the items later, maybe. What, he's just going to pluck them out and bring them back? (laughs) With his single fucking cigarette and six frigging uh, thingamajigs? Um, Why can't I think of Six matches. matches. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. He's just going to bring them on back? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, there you go. That's one place to keep your receipts and not lose them, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Um, this next one, I just thought the article was funny. It had some interesting wording in it. Uh, it's called Serial Farter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the article starts off with, you knew I had to put in a farter somewhere. <laughs> it starts off with, West Village residents are kicking up a stink over a serial ah. farter who's polluting the neighborhood. <laughs> ah. All these have got to be some rank farts. You would think that. That's what I thought going in. Uh, it's not that at all. So a blogger said, quote, it's happened thrice, so it can't be a coincidence. Ah. There's some guy who I believe is playing a fart sound as he passes people as some sort of social experiment. I think it's always the same fart. (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) So they're paying attention enough to know that it's the same fart sound every time. And I, I love how bothersome this is to people just hearing a fart sound. Okay. Someone posted, quote, Every time while I was talking to a friend, we just get interrupted by this fart that leaves us silent and staring. (laughs) He plays it as he passes and never looks back. Acts like nothing happened. Guy is white, college age, very straight lace looking. (laughs) You know he's got some like TikTok videos out there somewhere of these people just being so So offended. Offended by his (laughs) fake farts. Yes, yes. And then the article says, 
The not-so-silent-but-deadly dude went quiet for a while, but someone said he and his wife were walking by Washington Square Park, and the guy passed by and just ripped one, and they both started laughing. (laughs) I would, too! They listened to the blast and knew it couldn't be human. They believe the guy had a flatulent simulating device in his backpack. This is so serious. I know. And it, like, it couldn't be human. I have heard some really crazy farts come out of people, so I probably would have believed it. (laughs) I would just, like, laugh and move on with my day. I would laugh so hard anytime I hear anybody fart to, like, especially when they try to cover it up. Yes. I'm not going to throw anybody's name under the bus, but I know you know who I'm talking about. And, and and I will never forget this because it was in, like, elementary school or some shit, but it was, like, when we were standing out at the bus stop and she tried to cough uh-huh. to cover her fart. Yeah. And the fart was, like, <laughs> five times louder than her cough was. <laughs> and yeah. I can still hear it in my brain all these years later. Like, I can hear it so perfectly because <laughs> she tried so hard to cover it with this casual cough and it went. Not even a little bit covered. And when the girls are always like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was, too. That's the exact cough she did to try to cover it. And yeah. it was such a huge fart. Aww. And I just, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And mm-hmm. I still think it's funny. So yeah. I'm sorry they're so offended by farts, but like, maybe laugh a little. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this next one is called reptile in your pants. Mm. I'm not sure where this is going. Okay. Is it an actual reptile? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Just making sure. A woman in Florida. A woman? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm seeing what you're... I'm seeing where you're going with this Florida thing. It was a pure coincidence. Clearly, y'all have something going on there, all right? (laughs) But I'm not hating on it. I know. I'm enjoying it. Thank you. So a woman in Florida was pulled over for a traffic stop. She had 42 striped mud turtles and one soft shell turtle in her vehicle. The officer asked her if she had anything else, and she pulled out a small alligator from her pants. She had an alligator in her pants yeah she sure did i'm sorry you have all these turtles and you chose to put the alligator in there she did and i have no idea why so please don't ask me okay but she was cited for possession and bag limit violations for all three species the reptiles were seized and released i can't imagine driving with a freaking reptile in my pants i would be so scared I just don't know what to do with that. Okay. But she was doing it. Okay. Um, This next one is called, Trust Me, He's Not Here. Uh, all right. A Florida man, 41-year-old Johnny Yates, was wanted by the Polk County Sheriff's Office on aggravated battery, false imprisonment, false imprisonment, and tampering charges. Deputies received a tip 
that he was inside his house. When they arrived, they saw a note written on a dry erase board no. in front of a window that said, Johnny Yates does not live here. That is beautiful. A neighbor confirmed he was inside. That is amazing. <laughs> so they released the smoke twice, hoping that he would come out, but it didn't work. Finally, they went inside the home and they found Johnny inside a modified chest of drawers and he was arrested. And he was, in fact, there. He was there. The sign was misleading. Okay, so here is where I started changing course. Okay. All right. (laughs) So this one is called Kidnapped to Party. Fats Waller, born Thomas Wright Waller, was a jazz musician. He began playing the piano when he was six years old, and he learned how to play other instruments, including the string bass, reed organ, and the violin. His father was a clergyman, and he wanted Fats to follow in his footsteps, but he wanted to be a musician. He dropped out of school in his teens and found a job as an organ player at the Lincoln Theater in Harlem. In 1926, when he was 21 years old, he was touring in Chicago. He finished a performance at the Sherman Hotel, and as he was leaving, a man approached him and forced him inside a limousine. He wow, was, that's <laughs> one place to be forced into. I mean, it sounds okay at first. However, he was held at gunpoint, and then he was brought to the Hawthorne Inn. Inside, he saw something that he never expected. It was a party. He had Where been abducted. Where the fuck is this going? <laughs> He had been abducted and was told to play the piano. (laughs) The the party turned out to be for 28-year-old mob boss Al Capone. Shut up! (laughs) I did not see that coming. I know. (laughs) So his men wanted to surprise him by having Fat Swaller perform. And they actually paid him $100 per song, and the party lasted for a few days. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of bad scenarios you could be kidnapped in, but this seems like one of probably the best. I mean, you're at a big party, you're getting paid. Right, you get paid, you get thrown in a limousine. I mean, it was at gunpoint, but, but... you get paid. So, and like, then mildly least. traumatic, but I think we could actually move past it. Yeah. So he stayed there, and he played the entire time, but occasionally would take naps on the piano bench. God, he probably made so much money, though. He would have to. At $100 a song, are you kidding me? And yeah. over the course of a few days, that's a lot of money. Wow. So, yeah, I just grabbed that because I was like, that's an interesting story. No, I love that. Okay, so this one... There was literally only two articles about it, and it's a very interesting story, but I'm like, is it real? I don't know. We'll find out. It's called Back from the Dead. Okay. I All right. <laughs> Sam Jordan tragically lost his wife Jenny in a horrible car accident. Their daughter Mia was only two years old when it happened. Sam was obviously distraught, and it took him about three years before he was able to get back to what he felt like was, you know, a normal life. So he decided to take his daughter on vacation. 
The two of them were going on a two-week getaway to California. Sam booked a nice little B&B on Venice Beach, close to the ocean, and he and Mia were enjoying the sightseeing. One afternoon, something strange happened on their trip. Sam and Mia stopped for ice cream, and five-year-old Mia yelled out, Daddy, it's Mommy! And she took off running through the crowd on the boardwalk. Sam dropped his ice cream and he ran after her. When he caught up with Mia, he told her, you know you can't run away from me like that. She said, but daddy, it's mommy. She pointed to a couple and Sam gently told her that mommy was in heaven. The little girl had stared at her mother's picture for so long, she was sure it was her. Sam looked at the woman and the blood drained from his body. Mia was right. She looked just like his wife that he had buried three years prior. Mia ran to the woman and wrapped her arms around her waist, yelling, Mommy! The woman looked at the little girl very confused, and Sam was rushing over to apologize, but he realized that the man standing next to her was his best friend, Clive. (gasps) Oh, shit! Sam had not seen Clive since his wife's funeral. Oh, snap! Clive looked nervously at Sam and gripped the woman's arm and yelled that they needed to go. She looked really surprised and she said, Sam, what's the matter? But when she asked this, she wasn't looking at Sam. She was looking at Clive. She was calling Clive Sam. Sam asked Clive what the hell was going on and who this woman was. The woman smiled and said, I'm Sam's wife, Jenny. Mia was yelling, it is mommy. Mommy, Jenny asked as she gently touched Mia's face. She said, I wish I were. She explained that she had always wanted a little girl and she wanted to call her Mia. What is happening? I'm Mia the little girl said, and you're my mommy and that's my daddy, she said as she pointed to Sam. At this point, Sam grabbed onto Clive's arm real tight and told him, you better explain what's going on here. Clive said, it's not what you think. I didn't plan it. It just happened. He said that after the accident, the car burned and they had a funeral. Then one night, he was watching a late-night missing person show, and they showed a photo of a woman who had a brain injury, and he knew it was Jenny. She didn't remember who she was, but the doctors could tell from her injuries that she had been in a bad crash. One night, Jenny picked up a woman who needed a ride, and the vehicle hydroplaned and crashed into a tree. Both of the women were thrown from the car before it exploded but it was the other woman that died. Oh. So they had the funeral for the woman that was not Sam's wife. But like his first thought wasn't to call Sam and be like, hi, I just saw your wife on TV. No, it was not. So Sam is super angry. And he said, Mia and I have been in so much pain. Like, how could you do this to us? And Clive said... He had always been in love with Jenny. I really don't give a fuck. He told Sam, you knew it when you started dating her. You took her from me and I took her back. Ew! Right, I mean, you just stole a woman from her daughter. Never mind her husband, but like from her little daughter. And her entire life. Yes. 
Jenny was horrified as she's listening to all this. Even though she had a traumatic brain, brain injury, she knew that something was off. She had been having dreams the whole time about a baby girl, but Clive kept telling her that that was just a fantasy. Clive had been saying that his name was Sam and they were married, but she said it never felt right. Something was missing. It took some time, but Sam and Jenny did get back together again, and Mia had her mommy back. Okay. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> well, that was whack, man. I know. Isn't that a weird story? Oh. Um, Dad God. sent that to me. Really? Yeah. Jesus, you just can't trust anybody. I know. Um, Actually, Dad sent me the next story, too. Okay, well, he's clearly on a roll. Yeah, so he was definitely helping me with this one. Okay, so this is called Tiny Doll Family. Mm, Okay, I don't know how I feel about that. I will tell you, at first, I was like, I'm going to hate this. Don't make me read it. And he was like, no, just read the whole article. Okay. All right. And I will be providing photos of this story on the socials. A Michigan man, 72-year-old Don Powell, was shocked to discover two dolls inside of his mailbox, along with a note that said, we've decided to make this our home. And it was signed, Mary and Shelley. The two wooden dolls were sitting on a small couch, enjoying their new home. Initially, Don and his wife believed that somebody might have accidentally put it in the wrong mailbox. Maybe it was meant for someone else. Don and Nancy had a very unique mailbox. It was custom designed to replicate their old Detroit home. Don asked his neighbors, but none of them had received a doll in their mailboxes. He was going to toss them, but then he thought, you know what, maybe he should hold on to them just in case the owner actually wanted them back. He saw it as someone just being funny and goofing around. He got an idea, though. He decided to just play along and see what happened. A few days later, Don opened the mailbox and saw a tiny end table, a throw rug, and a pillow inside. Stop. (laughs) Over the next several months, more items showed up, including holiday decorations, a four-poster bed, a painting, a wood-burning stove, and pets. They're just... A whole entire, I mean, they're really moving in. They are. They decided. And I will say, the mailbox looks like a great home. Like, it is so cool. Well, if it's a replica of their house, I bet it does. Yeah. Don realized that he liked watching the doll family grow and get new items. During Halloween, the dolls, Mary and Shelley, were replaced by two skeletons. And during Christmas, a tree and presents showed up. Stop. They also moved their cousin Shirley in, and she brought her service dog, Maggie. There was a service dog? (laughs) Whoever did this, like, really thought of everything. Don wrote on Nextdoor, which I don't know what that is. Is that an app? Are you... Really, Megan? Yes, it's an app. Okay. It's for the, like, whole, it, you can only be in it if you're, like, in a certain area. Like, you can only be in your neighborhood's thing. Fabulous. Okay. Yeah. So he went on next door, and he wrote, quote, A homeless couple has taken up residence inside our mailbox. I've included photos of what it all looks like, so you don't think I'm making any of this up. 
He was hoping to figure out who had actually planted the dolls there, but he didn't get any leads. Although his sons started to wonder if he was the one that was doing it because he's such a jokester. But his wife, Nancy, said they had nothing to do with this. Don told DailyMail.com, quote, I do not really have a favorite doll when it comes to Mary or Shelley. My favorite, however, is the Labradoodle service dog named Maggie. The mailbox is 26 inches long, 15 inches wide, and 10 inches tall. So the doll family has a lot of room, and the mail carrier has no problem with the dolls and enjoys the setup. I was going to say, they probably love it. Yeah. The mailbox has several windows and solar-powered ceiling lights to illuminate the box at night. God, they just thought of everything. (laughs) Don decided to join in on the fun and even added a doll-sized letterbox to the front of his mailbox to hold tiny letters and packages. Stop it! I cannot! (laughs) I can't wait for you to see the photos. It's so cute. I cannot wait to see them. (laughs) Many people that have read about the tiny dolls have provided suggestions about the living space. They want Mary and Shelley to have a deck so that they can sit outside in the summer. Maybe they should get some electricity so they don't have to rely on that wood-burning stove for heat. Perhaps the mailbox needs an addition to accommodate all their furniture. It is getting a little crowded in there, and the couple also acquired a cat. (laughs) Don is planning to add a new roof to the mailbox because it occasionally leaks when it rains. He said, quote, I would want the person who did this to know that they're responsible for bringing happiness, fun, and smiles to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. We live in an unsettling time, and there is so much discord and negativity in the news. In a small way, the story of Mary and Shelley has provided a source of relief and comfort. He said that many people have reached out and thanked him for sharing the story and lifting their spirits. Don's a psychologist and president and CEO of the American Institute for Preventative Medicine, which provides wellness programs to companies and hospitals. He said he's devoted his life to helping others, and he feels like he can further accomplish that by sharing his mailbox story. Although a person could be fined for putting items in someone else's mailbox... You leave them alone. Don said he would never imagine alerting authorities or evicting the dolls. He no longer wishes to know who placed the dolls in his mailbox, and he likes that it's a mystery. I wondered if he was going to say that. Yeah. See, my only request with this one is that they have some sort of Frankenstein's monster up in there, because I'm fairly certain Mary Shelley is who wrote that. Oh. I'm almost positive. Okay. So they gotta have, because it's Mary and Shelley, right? Yeah. Yeah, they gotta have some sort of Frankenstein's monster in there. That'd be cool. Maybe that's coming. Or Frankenstein. I'd be cool with either or. I mean, they were replaced by little skeletons, so I think we're moving in the right direction. Yes. All right, so this next one is called Struck by a Meteorite. Huh. In 1954, it was a clear afternoon in... Sylacauga, Alabama. Ann Hodges was taking a nap on her couch and she was oh, covered in quilts. I totally one? heard this one. <gasps> okay. I know. Okay. I have heard this. Okay. Okay. 
and a softball-sized black rock flew through her ceiling, bounced off a radio, and hit her in the thigh, leaving a massive pineapple-shaped bruise. Meteorites typically hit the Earth or fall into the ocean, but this was the first time that a person had been struck. Michael Reynolds, a Florida State College astronomer and author of the book Falling Stars, A Guide to Meteors and Meteorites, wrote, quote, Think of how many people have lived throughout human history. You have a better chance of getting hit by a tornado and a bolt of lightning and a hurricane all at the same time. Prior to Anne being struck by the meteorite, people in Alabama said they saw a bright reddish light like a Roman candle trailing smoke. According to a web publication called The Day the Meteorite Fell in Silicaga, other people reported that they saw a fireball-like gigantic welding arc. Then there were tremendous explosions of a brown cloud. At first, many people believed that it was a plane crash, but then they couldn't find any evidence of that. The police sent the Black Rock to the Air Force, and they confirmed it was a meteorite, but they didn't know what to do with it. The public demanded that the space rock should be returned, it should be returned, <laughs> returned to Anne, and she agreed. She said, quote, I feel like the meteorite is mine. I think God intended it for me. After all, it hit me. Anne and her, and I just got to say, like, that'd be a really weird thing if God was like, I'm going to throw a meteorite at you because like I think ass, you. Whole ass meteorite. You need a meteorite in your life. I mean, like, what a terrible <laughs> way to wake up from a nap, though. I would not be thrilled. I'd be so cranky. I do not like being woken up from naps. So I like I just, no. gentle sounds. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I don't think that would be very gentle, no. No, nothing abrupt. Uh, so Anne and her husband, Eugene, did not own the home. They were only renters. Their landlady, named Bertie Guy, decided that she should get the meteorite. Well, are you kidding me? I, I wish I was. She wasn't even the one that got hit. I know. But her home did. I don't fucking care. So <laughs> she actually obtained a lawyer and sued, claiming that the rock was hers because it fell on her property. Why did she even want it that bad? I have no fucking idea. Technically, the law was actually in her favor, but the public opinion was not. Birdie settled out of court, giving up her claim to the meteorite in exchange for $500. The Smithsonian offered some money for the meteorite, but the couple turned it down. While the meteorite was at the Air Force base, they got several offers, and one of them was close to like $5,500. They were convinced that they could sell it for more, but they were wrong. The excitement died down real quick, and Anne ended up donating the meteorite to the Natural History Museum in 1956. She received $25, and it is still on display there. It'd be cool to see. It would, absolutely. Now, Anne did suffer a nervous breakdown in 1964, according to the article, and she and Eugene separated. She died in 1972 at only 52 years old from kidney failure, and Eugene believes that the meteorite frenzy really took a toll on her. They had lived a really quiet life 
And then after the meteorite strike, there were about 200 reporters outside of their home. And then Anne was invited to attend the game show called I've Got a Secret. And she received a lot of fan mail and questions, which she decided not to reply to. Wait, there's a game show called I've Got a Secret? I don't think so anymore. But I'm going to look this up. Okay. I bet you there's a lot of juicy things on there. That's what I'm saying. I need to know now. I'm very curious. This got my attention. Yes. Once the notoriety died down, Anne developed social anxiety and her health got worse. The meteorite that hit Anne was named the Hodges Fragment. Another fragment from the original meteorite was later sold to the Smithsonian, and the radio that the meteorite hit was later loaned to the American Museum of Natural History in 2005 by Eugene. That was 50 years after the event. And now, here comes birthing a rabbit. Oh. I am so ready for this. Okay. (laughs) On September 27th, 1726, 24 year old, we're we're going way, way back. Okay. 24 year old Mary Toft went into labor. She worked in hop fields of rural England and called out to her neighbor, Mary Gill. The neighbor rushed inside the house and saw Mary squirming in pain, and she was hovering over a bucket. Uh, So Mary Gill ran to find Mary Toff's sister-in-law because she was a midwife. There's so many Marys, okay. I know. She told her that the baby looked like a rotten jumble of animal parts. (gasps) Oh, my God. Um, Okay. (laughs) It's not a human baby. Okay. What is happening right now? <laughs> I don't want anyone to be like, that little bitch. <laughs> what is happening? So the family sent the remains to a local surgeon, John Howard. He wrote back that it resembled, quote, three legs of a cat of tabby color and one leg of a rabbit. In them were three pieces of the backbone of an eel. What? The doctor visited Mary, but... He said she was too difficult to work with. He wrote, quote, Mary is of a very stupid and sullen temper. Wow. (laughs) But then it happened before his eyes. Mary birthed a baby bunny. What the fuck is happening? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even. I'm so lost. Over the next month, Mary became a local celebrity. And Howard witnessed her giving birth to eight more baby rabbits. What? (laughs) I can't. I can't handle this. Okay. He preserved the bodies in alcohol and sent letters to prominent physicians all over England. On November 9th, he wrote, quote, I've taken or delivered the poor woman of three more rabbits, all three half grown, one of them a dun rabbit. The last leaped 23 hours in the uterus before it died. As soon as the 11th rabbit was taken away, up leaped the 12th rabbit, which is now leaping. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you have any curious person that is pleased to come post, may see another leap in her uterus and she'll take it from her if he pleases. I do not know how many rabbits may be behind. 
Uh, first off, I don't know why no one's like concerned. How did she make these rabbits? Right. Like that would be my first worry here. That is my worry right now. Okay, good, good, good. Is Every- she like <laughs> stuffing them up there somehow? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> A recipient of the letter was the surgeon to King George I, and his name was Nathaniel St. Andre. The king was rather curious, so he allowed his surgeon to leave and investigate the situation. When he arrived, he felt Mary's belly and determined that the rabbits were forming in her right fallopian tube. What? And he helped her deliver a rabbit's head, which was her 15th. The news... <laughs> So many rabbits. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. The news of Mary's rabbits went national and people were disgusted. At the time, rabbit stew was a big thing in Britain and people completely stopped eating it. Um, because of that? Yeah, because she's <laughs> over there birthing rabbits. <laughs> like, wait a second. <laughs> and so... This is freaking gold. Okay. <laughs> doctors began forming a theory that at the time was called maternal impression. They believed a mother's emotions and imagination could cause birth defects and disorders. Wow. A pregnant. It could just cause him to be a bunny. Yes. Okay. She could have 15 children turn into bunnies. Okay. okay. That's quite impressive. Yes. A pregnant woman who was startled by a rabbit could pollute the fetus with her thoughts, leading to her birthing baby rabbits. <laughs> um, I am not going to be startled by any bunnies anytime soon, hopefully. I will admit that I put this in there specific for you. Because <laughs> as soon as I read this article, I was like, yeah. <laughs> this is a wild ride. Um, I mean, I guess it could happen because I could maybe birth some cats or something. I'm still not convinced that we didn't birth our cats. Yeah, they are just like us. King George was very invested in this whole thing, so he sent another surgeon to check on Mary, and he was not as impressed as the first one. He witnessed Mary giving birth to a few of them, but by this time she was up to 17, and he was skeptical. On November 29th, Mary was taken to London for a study, and this was against her will. She was locked in a bathhouse while King George's court watched her, and suddenly, she stopped birthing rabbits. Wow. At the same time, all those rabbit parts that she had birthed were being dissected, and it was discovered that they had been cleaved with a knife, and one contained droppings full of corn and hay. On December 4th, it was over. A porter was caught sneaking a baby rabbit into Mary's chamber. When questioned, he said she bribed him. There was an investigation, and it was discovered that over the past few months, Mary's husband had bought a suspiciously large number of rabbits from the town's merchants. On December 6th, the court told Mary, that's it. They were going to perform a very painful and experimental pelvic surgery 
to see just why she was birthing all those rabbits. The very next day, she confessed and said it was a hoax. So was she just shoving them in there? Well, let me tell you. So this was very bad news for St. Andre, because days earlier, he had unfortunately published a 40-page pamphlet called A Short Narrative of the Extraordinary Delivery of Rabbits. Whoops. He bet his name that this was the real deal. Whoops. When Mary announced that it was fake, it completely ruined his reputation and he lost his job. So, how did Mary pull this whole thing off? Well, did she kill all the bunnies too? That's awful. You know, it didn't explicitly say that. However, it said that she had been pregnant early in the year, but she miscarried. While her cervix was open, she had somebody insert the body of a cat and the head of a rabbit, which her neighbor helped her deliver. Then, to keep the whole charade going, Mary sewed a special pocket in her skirt where she was hiding rabbit pieces, and when the doctors would look away, she would tuck them inside of herself and pretend that she was in labor. Okay! Okay! This whole thing is very disgusting. That is quite the extent to get attention. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, and that's really what it was for. She believed that birthing rabbits was her ticket out of poverty. At the time, human oddities were very popular, but it all backfired. She did not make any money from this, and she went to jail for five months. And when she died in 1763, the parish epitaph read, quote, Mary Toft, widow, the impostress rabbit. <laughs> so that's how she went out. I mean, they probably lost money from all the freaking rabbits they were buying. I'm sure. My God. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? So. <laughs> she was literally stuffing rabbits in, in there? Yes. <sighs> I know. Well, way to get my hopes up about birthing a cat if I got started by one. Uh, I'm not saying that you can't, because <laughs> clearly this is a theory. You could have maternal impression. Right. So we'll, so we'll see. It is possible. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out soon, <laughs> but not too soon. Right. No. You stay in there, little kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> Or cauliflower. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So to end, I think I shall read you a dream of mine. Oh, no. (laughs) But it's a choose your own adventure. What? Okay. Hannah. Uh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Would you like to hear? You get to choose from three. Okay. Uh, The first one. (laughs) Okay, okay. I will call Exploding Toilet. The second one is called Adolf Hitler. Um, You're making these hard choices. (laughs) And the third one, Aliens. Son of a bitch. (laughs) You made that really hard. Yeah. Well... Given the theme of this episode, I feel like Exploding Toilet has to be the one I go with. Okay. 
What the fuck is that? My dream journal. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. So in my dream, a woman showed up at the door. And I, of course, like a normal normal person, drop to the floor and start crawling around and I collect all my cats and we're hiding. Mom was like, why are you being such a fruitcake? And so she answered the door. And the lady said, hey, I'm here because I'm a talent scout. And I was like, no, no, go away. And then Hannah, you in my dream tell this lady, you're like, oh, well, she can sing. And so the lady's like, all right, well, then I'll stay here. So she told me that I had a half hour to go prepare something for her. So I walked upstairs and Fiona and her mother Molly from So Weird were standing in the bathroom. (laughs) And Molly was in a mummified state, but her body was covered in seaweed. And so I stopped to help clean her off. I was going to practice my song, but then Fiona was doing experiments by pouring different liquids into pipes and then funneling them into the toilet. Oh. Um, and so she poured pickle juice into <gasps> the tubes. And for some reason... That's a waste of pickle juice. It really is. I was horrified too. But for some reason, the whole house exploded. And I was slow motion blasted outside by the water. <laughs> and then the talent scout was no longer interested. Wow, because you exploded the, well, you didn't. I but, did not. But because she exploded the toilet, now she's not going to be interested? Yeah, she was unimpressed. She well, didn't want to hear me sing anymore. That's rude. <laughs> I know. So there you go. Well, I think I chose properly. I think so. Yeah. I don't know really what's wrong with us, though, because I definitely had a dream the other night that Isaac played an entire show and there was, like, a dead person hanging in, like, lighting rigs the entire mm, time. Mm-hmm. And it was a festival. <laughs> and they were like, well, we can't do anything unless we take apart the whole rig. So he's just going to be there for the whole festival. Rock and roll that doesn't stop right. for a dead body. Right. And so <laughs> I tried to tell Sam, like, uh, you guys should not be playing. Because Isaac didn't even know about the body until he pointed it out. And Sam was just like. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> and yeah. they went back on stage and played with a dead dude hanging next sure. to them. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with us. But here's the thing. I got a nice little journal. I see that. Called, What the Fuck Did I Dream Last Night? Oh, that's perfect. And so, I will be writing down all of my weirdo stuff so that we can discuss. Jeez. Okay. Well, I mean, it's... Definitely intriguing, but I have thought about dream journaling before, and then I'm like, I don't think I want to remember what I dream about because most of them are really fucked up. Some of these I do because they're very interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. So, there you go. All right. And I promise we will get back to a normal episode next. Oh, no. We better get to hear the other two dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at some point. I want to hear that Adolf Hitler one. Trust me. We will get to those, yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we'll do a normal episode next week. No, I love these ones, though. I think these ones are so much fun. They're fun, and it's a nice little break without actually taking a break. You're still getting an episode, and you're learning new things. And it's a good palate cleanser, I think. Yes. And you're going to need it for the next one that I'm doing. (laughs) Okay, good to know. Yeah, get ready. All right, so make sure to 
Follow us on any of your podcast apps. Tell us the stories you want to hear. Like us on Facebook, X, Instagram. <laughs> Leave us a five-star review if you love us. Tell your friends. Tell your cats. Um, Bye. bye. <laughs>